All right, how are you guys doing this episode of Sponsored by Ghost? But now Russia's sitting here poking the bear. They're doing it once again. They're pretty good at it, and I don't know why they enjoy doing it so much, but they're doing this uh, this new secret. They have actually they just signed a, I don't want to say signed, because no one knows this, but it's a new secret nuclear deal. Yes, this new secret nuclear deal. I don't know. I, I would say secret like it's some crazy thing. Everybody knows about it now. But it's going to allow the una- uh, uranium transfers to Tehran illicit weapons program. Yes, you heard me correctly. President Vladimir Putin agreed to return enriched uranium that is received from Iran if the uh, the per- prospective atomic deal collapses, which it most likely probably will. One major component of this thing is the fact that U.S. and other world powers to revive this whole uh, joint, well, how do I say it? Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, GCPOA, the thing that Trump actually kicked out the window because he said it wasn't good for us. What it probably wasn't. Uh, the, the amount of money that we've been shelling over to Iran to actually say, hey, you know what, just stop, even though they are the, the biggest funding of, of, of international terrorism in the world. I mean, like the state terrorists, like that's what they are. You know what I mean? For the most part. Uh, of course, there's going to be nice people there and whatnot, but for the most part, they're the largest state sponsor of terrorism. Now, the formal name of this Iranian deal was uh, JCPOA. Uh, but anyway, Russia is going to, <laughs> this, is, this is so crazy. Russia is going to be warehousing Tehran's enriched uranium. That's a part of this deal. The rationale behind this thing is just, I, I don't really get it. How is Russia going to be storing the uranium uh, to prevent the regime from using the materials to construct an atomic bomb. How does that even make any sense to anybody? Can, can someone please explain that to me? Oh my God. Oh, and I've been talking to Willie. Um, Willie's been bouncing all over the, the, the world pretty much. He was in, uh, where was Willie at? He was in, so yeah, he, so he went to Turkey, but he broke his foot and then he had to go back home. So I was talking to him last night about getting back over here for like a month to hang out with us or a couple months at a time. Cause you guys know he lives in, he's an Aussie he hangs out down under. Hangs out with the kangaroos. Uh, trying to get him back here, though, so we can be my, my little co-host guy. I say little. He's bigger than me. You know what I mean? He's got a big beard, but it doesn't make any sense. We got Russia that's going to be housing this stuff. Who in the right mind would, would think this is a good idea? Like, as a part of this agreement, the two countries, Russia has undertaken to return all this enriched uranium that Iran, like, as quickly as possible. If for any reason the United States withdraws from the agreement, which we know. <sighs> the U.S. Department of Defense... Um, Officials also stated this. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys, this is kind of crazy. Stated this to Congress, by the way, that Iran's regime could develop enough fissile material for a nuclear bomb in a mere 12 days. U.S. fears as well that Israel will actually launch a surprise assault in Iran. Okay, so we have the U.S. military chief and secretary of defense. They're apparently coordinating right now to approve any Israeli moves. Now, Israel actually has sold weapons, by the way, worth billions of dollars to Azerbaijan. Anyway, in return for oil supplies and access to Iran. This is pretty cool. Now, Azerbaijan itself has even prepared an airfield intended to aid Israel in case it decides to actually attack Iranian nuclear sites. So they're, they're kind of hedging their bet here. That is the Israelis. Hedging their bet, selling these weapons to this country to then allow them to have an airbase to then attack Iran if they need to. So they're kinda, it kind of reminds me of the United States in Iraq. We set up these, these airbases sitting there on the edge of Iraq, just in, or excuse me, in Iran, just in case anything were to happen. One of the dumbest things we ever did was pull out of Iraq. We should have at least maintained a presence there, just like we should have in Afghanistan, because then you can use those as launching pads either to China and or Iran. I just want to throw that out there for everybody. Blah, I just want to throw that one out there. We probably should have done that, you know. But no, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. We're all past that. Now, the first real threat here is a kinetic attack inside of America is actually happening. 
It, it seems it's just around the corner, at least. China will attack American homeland if a major war erupts over in Taiwan or elsewhere inside the Indo-Pacific. Now, this is coming directly from a top civilian expert that's like the highest up inside the military, U.S. military. They stated publicly that if we go into a major war with China, the United States homeland would be at risk as well as, as both kinetic attacks and non-kinetic attacks, okay? Whether it's cyber attacks on the power grid or the pipelines. Now, they're going after everything, and they're going to go after the will of the United States public. They're going to try to erode support for the, for the entire conflict as a whole. This is what she is stating. Now, I don't disagree with that. That's not going to be too difficult. You know what I mean? That's that the whole state of like American human race, or just human race as a, as a whole right now, is, is very persuadable. Very easily persuadable, especially more so with the, with the younger audience, because a lot of them are on TikTok. They're quick, fast, and hurry, and Chinese on the TikTok which is watched by the youth. Now, China's military is improving at an alarming rate as well, in large part due to its land-based missile forces. They're actually rehearsing right now and practicing and experimenting on things. Um, and they're, prepar they're preparing these forces for something that, that I don't know, you, don't, you just don't build up this kind of an arsenal just to defend and protect. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not building up the fastest military pace growth since World War II just to protect anything, right? Well, last time we saw this was what? When the Nazis built up, and what did they end up doing? Okay, you're probably building it up for another purpose. And why do countries continue to play like the political game out loud when everybody knows the truth? Now, the Pentagon is actually stating that today, it, it, it's nonsense. Yes, nonsense. That the U.S. would ever support or provide intelligence for Ukrainian strikes on Russian territory. They further stated that we are not at war with Russia. Nor do we want to seek war with Russia. Okay, yeah, we may not want to seek a direct war, but we are at war with Russia, which would be real. This is literally, this is, this is about as close to war as you could possibly get. Russia keeps attempting to draw this odd line in the sand as well, which keeps getting shifted all the way around all the time. The deputy chairman of Russian Security Council stated today that if combat aircraft that are transferred to Ukraine are in any way resupplied or repaired in a NATO country such as Poland, then this would mean they're in direct entry of this country into the war. Okay. That's weird. So what you're trying to tell me here, Russia, if they give Ukraine planes and those things have to be fixed and they send them over to Poland, they fly them into Poland, they land in Poland. Now Poland is at war with Russia. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, I probably would have said, hey, Poland, you're at war with us now that these, these Bradleys or whatever have gone through your country into Ukraine. That sounds a little bit more logical. But saying jet, they just, it's, I don't know. That's what, it's like... Here in America, the political parties in what we call move the goalpost, you know, to, to, their, to their liking. The same thing is happening right here. Russia just keeps moving the goalpost and drawing this land in the sand whenever. To say, you know, it's, it's just the political posturing is just, I don't know. I feel like we've been just dealing with this for the last year, and I keep talking about the same stuff over and over again, and I'm personally getting tired of it. You know what I'm not getting tired of? Having good night's sleep. These days, shopping for a mattress can feel like a huge chore. If you guys are putting up uh, on yourself, it, it's, it's, it's tough. You're not alone. But if you guys are not getting great sleep, it's probably time to pull the trigger. Literally, pull the trigger. And Ghostbed is here to make your, your process a lot easier. For the last 20 plus years, the team behind Ghostbed has been designing comfortable mattresses for every type of sleeper and the experts when they come to pairing customers with the right mattresses. So if you guys are he or her, you're dealing with, with chronic pain, they are going to help you guys out. You sleep hot, you want something more comfortable, go to ghostbed.com today and take advantage of their online personalized recommendation. It's an easy quiz, super easy. And if you'd rather talk to a real person instead, that's no big deal because Ghostbed sleep experts can dive deeper into your needs, help you find the right mattress that's going to that's gonna match you one-on-one. -on -one. 
Okay, order ship free and fast, and you guys are going to get a 101 night sleep trial with free returns. So visit ghostbed.com forward slash Rob and use promo code Rob at checkout to get 30% off your mattress. Plus, you guys get two luxury pillows and other freebies. It's that easy. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Rob, use promo code Rob at checkout, save 30%, get some some free stuff, some free pillows and everything. It's just great. Go check them out. They'll be linked in the very top description. Who doesn't like free shipping and a 101 night guarantee? Hey, it's great. It's amazing. There'll be a link to the very top of the description. Thank you so much to Ghostbed. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right now, we're going to kick this thing over to our favorite, our favorite dude who speaks nothing more than the truth over there in Russia. God, he's the best. Okay, so I like where this thing is starting off. We have the, we have the facts being just thrown right out, you know, of course. By making it known that the America is the aggressor inside of Ukraine, because that makes total sense, right? That makes complete sense, 100%. We are the ones who are actively on the ground with troops trying to take over small Ukrainian villages using conscript and private forces. That is us. One million percent. That is the Americans. We are trying to take over Ukraine. It's, 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 it's something I don't know. Now, this is one of the times where you really might actually believe this. Um, I, 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 I have seen the footage that he is talking about. And the actual footage, the crowd is laughing at him during the summit. But when it showed on Russian state TV, they made sure to kill the crowd noise of this recording. So no one actually knows he's being laughed at while he's speaking. It's very embarrassing. He's like up there trying to speak and everybody's laughing at him because he's trying to say, yeah, the Nord Stream pipeline, this and that. And we aren't the aggressors. And the crowd is laughing at him. Okay. India is also a, a, a tough spot because they're playing both sides. They really are. And China is you know China and they're on the other side. They're not on our side. And we just announced today that they're going to be adding, I think it's like 30 or 40-ish uh, sanctions on new Chinese companies today. So relations with China is going through the roof. Now that end nugget. That one right there is actually really funny. He says, Putin says he will handle anyone who interferes accordingly. And they're just waiting for this. And this was actually said last February. Last February. It's March of the, the following year. American is clearly has been interfering with the war inside of Ukraine for over a year now. And nothing has happened. Bing. You know, we don't have, we don't have soldiers dead inside of Ukraine. While the, the Russians are legitimately filling up trenches full of their own men. Now let's talk about Bakhmut for a second. Just for one second, I'm going to go ahead and, and show you guys the map so whoever is new can just take a quick little gander. So this is what we're hitting on over here inside of Bakhmut. This northern side right here, they pretty much have stopped, slowed down. Southern side through here, they don't really care about. They are focused on this little nugget right there. Now, we're going to talk about it. Now, what you Ukraine has done over the last three to four months, or pretty much since the beginning of the war, been absolutely insane inside this area. We know the Wagners have been thrown inside of this area over and over and over again in waves and waves and waves. And we know that the, the Russians, they don't care. They don't care about how many men they lose. They don't care how they do it. They only care about how they, they achieve a task. Actually, my, my friend Willie said it best with the airfield in um, Hostomil. Okay, so yes, they didn't take it. They held it for whatever it was. They destroyed it to where it couldn't be used. Now in their eyes, or the Russian eyes, that was a win for them. Correct. That's the way they look at things. Now it doesn't really matter. A year later, all those men in that, that northern region literally died for no reason. 
all the Russians, on the Russian side of things. Ukrainian men, they lost their lives um, protecting it. The Russians pretty much went to waste. Now, down in this area, the Ukrainians are throwing and have been throwing a lot of their better forces back into this area to try to stop the bleeding, essentially. And I don't know if that was the best route. I've told you guys many of times over the last few months, I wish I would have saved all the episodes of me saying, I don't understand why Bakhmut is so important. Strategically important for this area. I don't know. I feel like in the Russians' eyes, it's important for them because they've been trying to get it for so long and they need a win. In the Ukrainians' eyes, they could just beat them up as, as bad as they possibly could, which I've said that multiple times, and then just bounce out of there. Inflict as much damage as they possibly can. But I think there comes a time, which might be right now, well, actually, I think it started kind of last week, and I kept saying it over and over again. You guys remember this main route? Whenever this main route out of here became the last line of, of, of actually exfilling out of there, I said, God, this is not good. They should have started doing it when they still had control of this route. But they, I don't know. I don't really understand why I'm not on the ground. I don't fully comprehend what's going on. There might be, there might be another play here. There might be a counteroffensive that's actually taking place that I don't know about, that they're prepping for. The winter month, I don't know. I don't know, but... Just for me looking at it, and you guys have been on here for quite a long time, you guys know. Russia, they lack the capability right now to further like reinforce Bakhmut as a whole without like significantly pulling forces from another area on different front lines because they just they just don't have the 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 the, the reserves right now to do it. Okay. They don't have they don't have the power. So once they take Bakhmut, which is going to happen at some point, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't think they 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 have the manpower to continue forward for in the near future, I just don't see it being a thing. We're talking maybe a month, maybe two months ahead, possibly. But by that point, that's what I'm saying. This, this, we're in a weird spot with Bakhmut as a whole. Now, Ukrainian forces will likely have a window of opportunity to seize the the battlefield here, like some sort of battlefield, I don't know, like initiative, and launch some sort of counteroffensive when the Russian effort effort around this area Bakhmut actually like chills for a second. I think it's either going to happen before or happen after. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But afterwards seems a little bit more, a bit more likely. Okay, and this is if and only if they haven't killed off literally their entire like military might and no pun intended there. I'm talking about the Ukrainians. If they have not ex- exhausted a significant amount of their military resources and men and might inside of this area trying to hold it, then I think there is a possibility for a decent counterattack because I think the Russians have really exalted, exhausted Excuse me, a, a ton of their resources as men to try to take this area. Now, the ratio of losses has worsened for the Ukrainians once they lost control of the, uh, the northern and southern flank of Bakhmut. They were killing more Russians than they were losing men. And now it, the ratio has kind of flip-flopped a little bit. And as the Russians have collapsed as nor- the northern and southern side of the city, the Ukrainians are sustaining really heavy losses. Now they need to exfil out of there and set up these lines. This is, this is what I was talking about. I feel like they, they're almost a little bit late to this exfil. Um, I know that there was a, a road bridge that was actually blown up as well that was west of Bakhmut. So the only remaining road in and out is actually through the fields. Okay, this, this is what I'm talking about. So this, this is the road that was just... I was just blown. So this main route that was leading out of there is not one they can take. So now they're having to legitimately drive through the fields all throughout here to get out of there. Okay. All through here. That is not good. That's not a good thing. I'm seeing a lot of videos of them getting stuck. There was a medevac vehicle that was actually stuck. I don't think I can actually show the video because the guy was being lifted up out of there and he was all jacked up. But what I'm trying to say is 
This is not how you want to be retreating out of an area to set up on a new defensive line. Now, now what they've done inside of Bachman has been absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, I think all the way up until this point, the, the first like 90% of the battle of Bachman has been doing really well. This last 10%, the Xfil getting out of there, not so much right now. I feel like they may have overextended themselves, stayed too long, and may have screwed the pooch just a tad bit. It may be taking a little bit more casualties than they thought just because they thought, hey, you know what? We can slow them down. We've done it this entire time. But you never know what you can plan for in war. It's always going to change. The first plan you have is not going to be good. If it falls through, you got to have a secondary and then a third and a fourth. And if all the way down the line, you got to have some type of idea. And you know that it's always going to change. It has to be changing with the ever-changing conditions on the ground. And right here, with these men having to take these routes out of the city through uh, fields is not a good look. It is not a good thing. There's no paved roads right now for them to take. Remember what happened to the Russians when they were having to take non-paved roads up in the northern part of the country. It slowed them down. They lost equipment. They were abandoning vehicles. That's what we're going to see on the Ukrainian side of things because of not great execution on an exfil. That's all I got to say. I do feel bad for the men that are currently sitting inside of Bakhmut. It's going to be very difficult to hold the city for, for as, as it collapsed down, but Either way, they've done an absolute phenomenal job, and I cannot say anything other than great job to the men inside of Bakhmut for holding it for the months and months and months and months that you have. For, for all I know, there's a massive counterattempt or a counteroffensive that is planned. They're going to come through, sweep this area, and just absolutely demolish the Russians from the northern side. I have no idea. I hope that is the case for them. I really do. I don't know the, the ever... I'm not, I'm not privy to that kind of information, so... Either way, it's brutal. But I do love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Um, other than that, I'm out.